Father, we do we do thank you for all your all your bountiful mercies and blessings and your lavish love that you generously give us. And we do thank you again for those mercies that are new every morning. And thank you, Father, for being with us this morning, speaking to us, encouraging us, giving us a a hope for the future, giving us a vision for the future, giving us purpose for the future, that you speak all these things into us because of your great love for us. So we thank you for that. And Father, so these next few moments that we have together, I need you to empty me of me, fill me with yourself, your presence, your spirit, so that only that your words, your heart, your message, your purpose is expressed. Because we need you, and we desire only you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Another question for you. How many people woke up this morning feeling radical? Radical. Ready to change the world? Whoa, a couple, couple for you. That's pretty good. You know, I think we wake up in the morning and, you know, you know I have a hard time wanting to change my socks, much less change the world. You know, it's just like, that's a, that's a concept that I think that we don't normally wake up with. We might have dreams, we might have goals, we might have vision, we might have uh, things we want to change personally about ourselves, things that we want to grow in this year. But to think about changing the world, I think is, is still kind of a, it's a hard thing to wrap your mind around. I mean, I don't wake up every morning thinking I'm going to change the world. And yet, because we are sons and daughters of the Most High, because we have chosen to follow the Messiah, we have been called into this great revolution. And it is a revolution. The cross started something. And it also finished something. But it called us into this revolution, which means we were meant to change the world. Everything about our lives, like Patty just said, everything about our lives is meant to change the world. We were called to something, personally and collectively. We were called to be something greater than ourselves, greater than our, uh, our, the things that we look at in the behind, the things that we think have this hold on us still because we made so many mistakes. You know, that's why I hate when they drop the ball on New Year's Eve because it reminds me of all the times I dropped the ball. I mean, you know what I'm saying? You know, why did I have to use that? I mean, because it reminds me that I dropped the ball so many times. But we think about those things, don't we? We, we you know, once we try something, maybe for the 20th time, we think, oh, I failed 19 times already. You know, and, and we, we let that kind of hamper the way we think, the way we act, the way we have faith. But we were meant to change the world. It says in the book of Acts, it says, you know, when the religious leaders brought the disciples in, they were saying, these men are turning the world upside down. When's the last time you turned the world upside down? Last week. You turned the world upside down last week. You did. You went, you went out of your comfort zone. You went into a, a new place and, and you embraced other people, another culture, another way of doing things and you did it with joy and passion and Honoring Father God's heart in the whole thing. So you changed a little bit of the world last week. You might not have looked at it that way, but you did. See, God did something through all of us 
that changed a little bit of the world. You know, looking at the, the smiles and the, and, the, and, the, and the joyful expression as I got to be standing in front of everybody in a sea of different colors. Man, man, was God just overjoyed last week because of that. We and AME Zion Church changed a little bit of the world last week. Now, it may seem like, well, okay, what do we, what do, we do to, to carry that forward? How do we invest our times, our energy, our, our resources in order to make those kind of things happen more often than not? And I think it has to do with what number one resolution was last week, if you remember. It said, I'm going to embrace all that God has for me this year. I'm going to embrace all that God has for me this year. And that's a wonderful phrase, and it comes off the tongue very nice and easy, but it's a lot more difficult than that, isn't it? Because we know full well that everything that God has for me is really about living a life here on this planet. And living a life on this planet is not always easy. Living a life on this planet is a lot of times difficult, hard, challenging, and it involves that thing, that, that, that S word that we, we really don't like to, to embrace, and that's that word suffering. We don't really like to embrace that word. I don't like to embrace that word. I don't really want to embrace that word. But we said this last week. We said that we don't embrace suffering. We embrace Jesus. You know, we, we don't welcome suffering, but we welcome Jesus into our life. So much so that he makes sense of the suffering that we walk through. He makes us understand the purpose behind the suffering that we're walking through because we're getting to know him in the process. See, Jesus is always with us through the suffering. And because he's always with us through the suffering, we get to know him along the way. And so when we talk about the scripture that, you know, that we read last week, and let's, let's just read it again. That I might know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. I think the King James says the fellowship of his suffering. And I actually kind of like that a little bit better than the ESV at this point, but the fellowship of his suffering. And the word fellowship is an interesting word in Greek. It means that I am going to go your way. See, I'm, and it, the whole connotation of that I'm going to go your way is meaning that I'm going to leave my way behind. So I'm not just following you because you're going to a nice place or because I like the way you're going or wherever you're heading, I want to go too. It says that I'm not even thinking about where you're going. I'm just going to follow you because I'm leaving my own way behind. So follow takes a whole different kind of deeper connotation here. That I am following you because I'm going to become your disciple. And because I'm coming your disciple, my way I'm leaving behind. So I'm not just leaving my way of life. I'm leaving all those things that hinder my walk in the past. I'm going to leave a note behind as well. So when I follow you, I am going a new way. And that's just not my own anymore. It's your way. I'm going it's God's way, his way I'm going to follow. And I think that makes a whole kind of different impact on me. Paul said that he didn't want anyone to bother him anymore because he bears the marks of Christ in his life. 
And I think sometimes what keeps us from stepping out in faith, from truly following God and embracing everything that he has or being concerned about embracing everything that he has for me this year is that I'm afraid of the impact that it's going to make on me. I'm afraid of the marks that it's going to leave on my life when I step out in faith. And so I hesitate. I hang back. I want to see if the way is a little bit clearer. Maybe it's a, it's a better time to step out in faith instead of just stepping out in faith, following him when he calls me. And that's the difference between embracing and kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. See, embracing means that I am, I am grabbing hold of Jesus and I'm just, done, I'm just not going to let go. And wherever he walks, I can't help but go with him because I'm embracing him. How many ever either watched the movie or read the book Hiding Place? Probably most of us. Most of us are familiar with it with Carrie, Corey Ten Boom and her family. They were a uh, family in Holland that used to hide Jews in their, in their house during World War II. They finally got caught. They got sent to a concentration, a concentration camp as well. Corey and her, and her sister Betsy uh, were in Barracks 28. And Barracks 28 was... Horrible like all the other barracks, but it had an infestation of, of fleas. And Betsy, her sister, was trying to encourage Corey at one point because she had just lost all hope. And she says, what we need to do is start to be thankful. And, and Corey said, I, I can be thankful for anything. You know, the lack of food, the lack of sleep, the lack of, of warmth. I just can't be thankful for the fleas. As the days went on, they were amazed how often they were able to read the Bible, share the scriptures, pray for people, and minister to people either on their deathbed or just minister to all their, all their hurts and stuff like that, personal, uh, physical hurts or spiritual hurts. They were amazed how much freedom they had in this concentration, concentration camp. One day, another uh, prisoner went to talk to a guard and said, look, we're having this big issue. Me and this other, I need you to come in here and settle it. And the, and the guard said, I'm not going in there because of the fleas. They were able to have all that freedom because the guards would not enter the barracks because of the fleas. Fleas leave marks. Fleas were causing them to suffer, but what they also did, God used that suffering, that, that, that thing that caused suffering, in order to give them great freedom to spread the gospel in a very dark place. That is how we make sense of suffering. They realize that God always has a purpose in it. Because God's purpose in suffering is always redemptive. Always redemptive. Yes, suffering without Christ is hard. But suffering with Christ is always purposeful. It is painful still, but God redeems it with, with opportunities to not only know him deeper, but to be able to express him more freely. Because there's one thing about suffering, and I think some of us who have suffered a lot understand this more than even I do. But if you have suffered something for a long time, and you have met Jesus there, you're a lot more freer than I am this morning. Because you see Jesus in a whole different light than I have. Job said it. Job said it after, you know, going through all the chapters of him suffering, he says, you know, says to God, he says, I thought I saw you before, but boy, do I see you now. That's a fair a paraphrase of me, but that's basically what he's saying. You know, he's saying, you know, I've just, I've just lost everything. And I thought, 
of course, when my life was good that I knew you. He says, but boy, I know you now. See, that's the thing. God makes suffering purposeful. So when we talk about the fellowship of his suffering, we are saying that we're, we're not embracing suffering, but we're embracing God so that we can go through the suffering and understand what the purpose is. It's a whole different kind of mentality. It helps us be more free in order to embrace what God has for us. Jeremiah 9, 23-24 says this, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Or the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight. First Peter 2 says this, How is it to your credit if you are beaten for doing wrong and you endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. There is purpose in knowing him, and there's also purpose in obviously going through these things so that we know him better. It, it so works together. It's that last phrase in that scripture, being made conformable to his death, that kind of stuck with me all week trying to figure out, okay, what, do you, what are you really saying, God? This is what I think. The cross was God's noblest expression of love to me. Christ's death was the, this, this normal, noble sacrifice, this overwhelming expression of love that God gave us. And so when we're made conformable to that concept, to that idea, is that we now get the opportunity to love like Jesus did because of his death, because of his resurrection, because of what those things meant to us. So I come conformable to his death, realizing that Jesus died for me because of his love. Therefore, I can lay down my life for others because of the same reason. So I can be made, I can look like Jesus, I can act like Jesus, I can love like Jesus because of that. Paul is praying that his love be changed to look like that kind of love that God displayed on the cross. And I, can, I can't think of any more radical way to, any more radical way to change the world than to, but through love. So, I thought of just two ways that we can embrace God's new year for us and all his purposes. Just two ways. And they are very, very simple. If you do a Google search on how to make your resolution stick, you'll, you'll get a list of anywhere from 5 to 25. You know, and they're all good suggestions how to make resolutions stick. But we're not talking about resolutions. We're talking about a revolution. Because a revolution is the only thing that changes things. The word actually means to turn around. We want to turn around. We want to turn away from the things that we need to walk away from. from we want to turn around and do head in the direction and follow what Christ is going, where Christ is going. 
So I think before we do anything else, the first thing that we need to do if we want to embrace everything that God has for us is that we need to pause. We need to stop. We need to be still. And we need to listen to his voice. Job said it this way. Job 37, 14, he said, Listen to this, Job. Stop and consider God's wonders. Sometimes we fill our life with so much noise, so much, I call it soul clutter, so much soul clutter with so much noise, so many distractions, that it's extremely difficult to hear God's voice. And then we go months or even weeks or days or whatever time period it is, we wonder why we don't hear God. Well, we've filled our life with so much noise and distractions that it's very hard to hear Him. God is always speaking. <laughs> I just, he's always speaking. Are we always listening? So he's telling Job, Job, stop. Just stop what you're doing. So this is going to take a, a real effort on your part to carve out some time that you could just be quiet before God. No other agenda. This is not very easy to do for Americans. I don't know how in India it is, but for Americans, it is very hard for us just to stop and have no agenda and just sit there and ask God one question. How do I embrace all that you have for me this year? Or any form of that question. I would suggest that you have your Bible and you have a pad of paper, a notebook, a journal with you. And that and you sit there until you are so uncomfortable that you feel like you can't sit there anymore. Because that's where God will start to speak. You've got to press in. You've you got you to try to take all the, you know, turn off your phone, turn off the computer, turn off music, turn off all noise, and just sit there and be quiet before God. See, that whole thing about being still, it means that I quiet every part of who I am in order to know God. Why is this important? Because if you don't hear God, it's going to be very hard for you to do the next one. And this is the, the very easy too, is to follow. How are you going to know how to follow God, how to go His way, if you don't first listen? This is, this is really, really huge in our lives. I know the times that I do that, that I carve out time, and I make sure that I have no agenda but just to sit there and listen. I usually go down to the river. Not now because it's too cold. But I go down to the river. I find a nice spot that I have. That's my spot. I have my Bible with me. I have a pad with me. And I'm just sitting there looking at the river. And eventually, my spirit gets so quiet that I hear God. And then I just start to write down what he's telling me. And then I start to find scripture that back up what he's telling me so to make sure that I'm hearing correctly because that's our, that's our parameter here. So this is our scriptures to make sure what we hear is in his word. But what that does is it also connects me to him on a different level. It prepares my heart to, to be able to follow. What's is the next one? We want to follow what he asks us to do. He's going to ask you to do something. He's got, like Patty said, he's got something that he needs you to do that nobody else next to you can do. You have a call. You have a purpose. You have a way that you should be following God, which is different than my way. 
It might look similar because the faith is similar, but there are things that you're called to do that you need to follow God in, that he wants to release you in power and purpose in, then I can't go there. But you can. You have that distinct, positively singular call on your life that's different than mine. And that's great because, like Patty said, when all that works together, wow. Not only does it encourage our hearts, people start to take notice of it. They see a group of people who are individuals who have individual goals and plans and dreams working together for a common goal, plans, and dreams and working together effectively. Well, that makes a difference in this world. That's how we change the world. But we can't do it first without listening to him. We just can't. See, this, is the, this should be the natural part of our heart is to be listening to him as we, as we follow. But there are times that we need to really close everything off. And I realize we all have, we're all busy. We all have responsibilities. You're wondering even now how the heck can I possibly do that. I'm not giving you how long that looks. But I'm just saying it could be 15 minutes. It could be 20 minutes. It could be an hour. But, I, but as you start to, to intentionally carve out that time, I think you'll find that it gets easier to do, you know. But you've got to be intentional about it. And here's a third one that I just threw in here because it just came to my mind. You've got to listen and you've got to follow. But in the process of listening and following, you, you, we really do have to surrender. And I want to say something because it's just, I think the Holy Spirit just brought to my mind. We surrender to something every day. We do. We surrender to the way we feel, to the way we're thinking at that moment, to the things that happen to us during the day. We surrender to them. But they cause a reaction from us. You know, the cup of coffee thing, you know. We, we, so our choice then is do we surrender to things that hold us captive or do we surrender to someone who sets us free? This is our choice. So when we're listening, we're kind of already beginning to surrender ourselves to him. We're saying, you know what, not my way, but your way. Not my will, but your will. I'm going to cast aside every agenda that I have in order just to listen to you so I can hear you, so that I can know and understand you like Jeremiah says. See, because God wants us to know and understand that this is pretty amazing when you think of a God that's really kind of beyond the way we think wants us to understand him. That's pretty gracious of him. That's pretty kind of God. So come into this, this, this place and realize that this really involves surrender, saying that the only way I can enter into a place of listening is if I surrender to who you are. Because I'm already, you know, I have a choice of surrendering to all these other things that are asking for my time and my attention. Things that are the noise and the clutter. They want my attention. I could, I could surrender to them or I could surrender to you. One's going to hold me captive in some way and one's going to set me free. Well, to me then it becomes an easier choice. I want to, I want to follow someone. I want to listen to someone. I want to be with someone who's going to set me free. Amen? Amen. All right. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your kindness. We ask, Father, that you indeed help us to, uh, to embrace all that you have for us this year. Speak to us, Lord. Help us to find 
that time, to make that time, to invest that time in just listening to you. Help us to quiet ourselves, to surrender to that moment, to surrender to you. And help us, Father, when we hear your your voice, when we thank you that you're going to speak to us, we trust that you're going to speak to us through that moment. And then you're going to confirm what you're speaking to us through your word. That we will be bold and courageous and passionate to be radical enough to obey you and do whatever you ask us to do. I pray for my brothers and sisters that indeed that you would help them this week, that you would bless them in their finances, you would bless them in their health, you would bless them in their relationships, that you will bless them as they seek how to unravel this mystery of, of knowing you more. But you promised in your word already that, that we can boast in knowing you and understanding you, that we can boast in that because uh, of your great desire for us to know you. Thank you for that. So I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for their weak. I pray, Father, today will prosper as her soul prospers. And we're going to give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.